1: And welcome to the Disability Law Show. Once again, Savannah Market is here and uh, answering all your questions. You have emails, you can send them along. Help at disabilityrights.ca. The website is simply disabilityrights.ca. While you are there, you can catch past radio shows and links to our television show as well, so make sure you do that. We will also be referring to mydisabilityquestions.com during the show. That is a place you can go anytime. You can ask your questions there. They get answered quickly. There's also a drop-down menu. There's an archive of past questions asked. There's a chance you can search and find your question already answered there, save you some time. If not, leave it there. And uh, the guys will take care of it for sure. We'll get into a ton of stuff today, uh, Savannah. As always, busy show. But first, you got a, a few things you want to talk about as, uh, as far as the week uh, that was concerned. What's going on, pal?
2: That's right, John. I, I was in um, B.C. this past week. As, as most of our listeners know, we work mm-hmm. out of B.C. and Ontario, and we deal with long-term disability claims, injury claims, uh, and and all that good stuff. And we help individuals deal w- you know deal with insurance companies when they get denied or cut off uh, their benefits. And uh, you know, before I get to some of the questions that I had been receiving. Uh, from the websites that we have, mydisabilityquestions.com, and just straight emails from people, I want to tell you about uh, an interesting situation that happened this past week in BC. So I attended a mediation, and a mediation. For people out there who don't know what that is, is essentially a, a a formal process. Well, it can be a formal process or an informal process. In this context, it was a formal process, meaning that it was me, another lawyer in my office, uh, my client who was denied long-term disability. Unjustly, I might add, uh, and uh, you know the insurance company adjuster—not the adjuster who cut him off initially, but the adjuster who was assigned the, f- uh, the the claim once we got involved and filed a legal claim. So it was that adjuster from the insurance company, and their lawyer, and there was a mediator, a third party, uh, a, a neutral person, right. somebody who's been a, a lawyer for many many years, whose task it was to facilitate discussions to resolve the case. Now, the interesting thing about this, this situation here is that we had initially, when we started the legal claim, we were so outraged by the way that this claim was handled by the insurance company. It, it was so clear to us that the insurance company had screwed up that we went in all guns blazing. And, you know, we, we do this, especially when we feel extremely strongly that our clients uh, have been wronged here. And I know we're not supposed to be emotional about this, but I take these things personally. I take it personally when I see someone, you know, in this case, it was an older gentleman over 60 years old who's worked all his life, who's literally crying because of what's been happening to him, not only because of his illness, but because of the way he's been treated by the insurance company. So I take it personally, and frankly, there's quite a few lawyers in my office that take these things personally, and it really makes us work, I would say, extra hard to ensure that we get a fair settlement for our clients. So long story short, we go in, and before we step into the main room where there is this adjuster sitting and their lawyer, the mediator who I've dealt with before, who's phenomenal, just excellent, takes me aside and says, Sivan, listen, I know this Insurance adjuster, I know this lawyer. I I am telling you, I know you're going in all guns blazing. You actually don't need to. And essentially, what she explained, which is what I want to make sure people understand, is that once we start a legal claim against the insurance company, The adjuster that handles the claim going forward is not the same adjuster who made your life hell. It's not the same person who cut you off. It's not the same person who was unfair to you. There is a new person on the claim. And their task, their job... Is to try and resolve the case. Now they're not going to resolve it for anything. They're not just going to, you know, pull out a checkbook and just write a number there. Their job is to protect the insurance company. But the point is, they're not the same person who wronged you. Mm-hmm. And, and what she was trying to tell me is that that adjuster who came that day was somebody who's very, very good at what they do. Is somebody that is very reasonable, very pragmatic. And the lawyer on the other side is also reasonable and pragmatic. So what she was sending me as a signal is. You know, you can go in all guns blazing if you want, but it's unnecessary in this case. And guess what, John? Within a matter of hours, just a few hours that day, last week, we resolved that case. For for a a crazy amount of money, given the value of the claim, I say value of the claim because we look at every claim independently. Every claim, and uh, uh, disability claim, is dependent on how much you're supposed to be getting from the insurance company on a monthly basis, whether or not there is any grounds for punitive damages, uh, you know, uh, you know, things like that. So I can tell you, the settlement was fantastic for my client. And, you know, this just, you know, goes to show you that, you know, when when he came to me initially, he had told me, this client, he said, he he and his wife, look, we didn't listen to you when we were looking, uh, um, watching your TV show, uh, you know, for for the last year or so and listening to to, to you on the radio. You know, we thought that we can appeal this denial and we did, you know, we, we did so twice and twice we were given the runaround, we got nowhere and here we've come to you and within a matter of months you've resolved this case. And, and, and so they were extremely happy, and I could see, you know, that this individual, you know, it almost seemed like he had a weight lifted off of his shoulders. He, yeah. he was that happy, not because suddenly he's going to be healthy again, but now he can actually focus on getting better. So, so you know, it's really important for people to, you know, to understand. When you deal with the insurance company on your own, you do not have that leverage that we have as lawyers who are able to file legal claims against the insurance company. Why? Because when we start a legal claim against the insurance company, there is a change internally with the way your file is handled, on, you know, on, on the other side with the insurance company. There is a new adjuster that's assigned. They now have a defense lawyer they have to pay money to to deal with your case. And of course, you know, The only thing that insurance companies hate more than paying you what you're owed is paying their lawyers to defend the claim (laughs) for what you're owed, right? So as soon as that happens, we now have leverage. And that's one of the reasons why these mediations, when we go to them, are so effective. Not because we sell out our clients, not because our clients sell out themselves, but because both sides come to the table wanting to see if there's a path forward. And that's what happened here. So here's a case of a mediation that went... You know exactly the way that it ought to. Everybody is happy. The insurance company is happy. They don't have to deal with my client anymore. They're happy. They don't have to deal with me anymore on this case. They have other cases with me, but they don't have to deal with this case. And you know, my client can really focus on on just getting better. I mean, what what a great story! What a great success story! I wish I could share his name with you, but you know, this is subject to confidentiality, so I can't do that. But I can tell you, this is not an outlier. These kinds of cases happen. This is how we resolve claims, and we resolve them all the time. Literally, not a week goes by when my firm does not uh, r- resolve these kinds of cases.
1: It's a great way to start the show, man. We'll take a, a short break and back into the week that was and a bunch of questions as well. You'll want to reach out anytime. Email is simple. It is help at disabilityrights.ca. The website Disability Rights is available for you as well. And the phone number, anytime time, 1-855-821-5900. This is the Disability Law Show, Global News Radio. And back to the Disability Law Show. You want to reach out? No problem. 1-855-821-5900. Toll-free number anytime. Email us help at disabilityrights.ca. Take it away, man. What else uh, What else you got? We are right in the middle of the week that was.
2: That's right. Here's an email that I had. Actually, not an email, but a question that was posted on our website, mydisabilityquestions.com. This one comes from Danny in Peterborough, and he writes, I've been denied any occupation disability. I have arthritis and osteoarthritis. Work cannot accommodate me. Insurance will not have me. What should I do? So let's break this down. He's saying I've been denied any occupation disability. What he means by that is that, you know, when when, when you are applying for long-term disability, the vast majority of LTD policies out there require you to be totally disabled I'm going to get back to that phrase, totally disabled, yeah. but disabled from performing your own occupation for the first two years to qualify for LTD. So if you cannot do your job, John, as, as a radio host for the first two years, well, then you should qualify for LTD. You should be getting yep. uh, LTD payments from your company. Now, beyond the two-year mark, most policies have a change of definition, and and it's a change of the, the definition of total disability. The test is no longer can you do your own occupation, it's can you do any occupation for which you're suited for by training, education, or experience. So it's the own occupation test for the first two years and Mm -hmm. any occupation test for the uh, time frame after that. And that's very important. So when this gentleman here, Danny, is saying, I've been denied any occupation disability, what he's saying is that, this is what I'm reading from it, uh, that he's already gotten disability here for two years under the own occupation test, And now, when there's been that change of definition, beyond the two years, he's been denied or been cut off LTD. This is extremely, extremely common. I I don't have, I mean, I was going to say a week, but I think I don't have a day that goes by when someone doesn't contact me and says, look, I've been on disability for two years or I'm getting to that two-year mark. And my insurance company is telling me that I'm not going to qualify under the more stringent test, the more expanded test of any occupation beyond the two-year mark. And in the same breath, they tell me, but I am still disabled. I still can't go to do, I can't do anything. And my doctors support that. They, they say that I cannot perform any occupation. And by the way, we see this a lot with mental health types claims. Think about this for a second. If you're suffering from depression, anxiety, PTSD, phobias, anything like that, that really impacts your ability to think and function cognitively, what does not matter if you're a doctor or a barista at Starbucks? It doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't matter because you can't perform those functions. It's not like you know having you know a bad knee, and, and that means that you can actually do a desk job, right? You may not be able to work as a mechanic or work in a factory, but you, you can do a desk job. When you're dealing with mental health claims, it, it, it's it's a lot more, I think, prevalent to see claims that should extend beyond that two-year mark because the person literally cannot. Uh, perform any occupation. So going back to Danny's email here or to his question. So he says I've been denied any occupation disability. Okay. Then he says I've got arthritis and osteoarthritis work cannot accommodate me. So this is interesting because in many instances, I, by the way I don't know what kind of work this person does. In many instances, people who are disabled also have issues with their employers. Remember, I mean, you do the show with Lior here, the the you know the 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 employment law show and and yeah. our, our listeners know that an employer has a duty under the law to accommodate a disabled individual, within reason, obviously. But here Danny is referencing the fact that work cannot accommodate him. So I don't know what kind of work he does. I don't know if there's an employment matter there. But but here's, here's the overall picture. He's getting shafted, really, by the insurance company, who says, we're not going to pay you. And at the same time, the employer is not stepping up and accommodating him he could have a dual case here dual issue one with the employer for lack of accommodation one for the ins- against the insurance company for the fact that they're not paying him given the fact that he cannot work beyond that two year mark so so you know it's 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 really really important really important that if people out there are experiencing employment issues and disability issues or one or the other that they contact us because one of the unique things about our firm is that we deal with both employment law and disability and injury law. Not many firms out there actually do that. They may say that they're doing that, but if you go on our website and start looking through the various lawyers and team members we have, these are the two practice areas we focus on. We don't do family law, so don't call me about custody issues. We don't do immigration law. We don't do tax law. We do specifically employment law and long-term disability and injury law, and we do this across Ontario and across BC. So what I would tell Danny here, and this is what I responded to him, remember, you can go to that website, mydisabilityquestions.com, yep. and search all these questions and see my answers. And you can post your own questions, and it's all for free. Uh, it's important to understand that uh, we will be able to help Danny, either with his employment matter, because his employer clearly is not accommodating him, or or with his insurance company, if in fact he's unable to perform any occupation under the ltd test of the any occupation period uh... to get those benefits or both frankly so either way we'll be able to help him and he's done the exact right thing he says what should i do well he did the right thing he contacted us now we can offer him the proper legal advice and and, you know john one of the things that it's important to understand and and i want to make sure you know people are aware of this Uh, When you call us and you have a disability question, for example, I'm not going to charge you anything for speaking with you. I answer questions all the time via email or by phone, really at all hours of the day, to be honest with you. And it's not just me. It's the other team members on my team. Our job, and this is why we're doing this show as well, is to provide this information to the public, to arm you with this information. If at the end of the day you go to a different lawyer because for whatever reason you think that they're better for you, fine. I don't care. It doesn't matter to me. As long as you know that you have legal options, you have more power than you think you do. If you want to come to us and we tell you we can help you, trust me, you're going to get top-notch service but it's really up to you. The goal here is to arm you with the information you need because there's just so much misinformation and false information on Google and, frankly, on some, some you know, other lawyers' websites that it's just inaccurate. So, so feel free to contact me. Feel free to go on MyDisabilityQuestions.com and post your questions, and you will get answers from me directly. We'll
1: take a uh, short break and right back into it. lots more to go. Uh, As mentioned, uh, help at disabilityrights.ca is the email address. Yeah, mydisabilityquestions.com. And the general website, disabilityrights.com, a place to go to catch past radio shows like this one. And the TV show as well. Lots more to go. Stick around. Do not go anywhere. The Disability Law Show on Global News Radio.
0: You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto.
1: And the Disability Law Show, we're right back at it here, reaching out one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred 855 821 5900 disabilityrights.ca is the website. As mentioned, uh, you know, you kind of went on a little bit in the uh, last segment, Savannah, about the uh, combination, the interplay between employment law and and disability law, in that regard, you can go to pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. It says employment, but there's a section there as well on disability law, so it's a really handy place to go even before you uh, you make that phone call to either the employment side or Samantha James on the uh, the disability side. So, uh, so there you go. Take it away, pal.
2: All right. Here's another question that was uh, posted to mydisabilityquestions.com. This one comes from Diane in in Ottawa, and here's what she writes. She says, the insurance company had me complete a CPP disability application and advised that it would take four to six months to get a response. At the same time, I was asked to complete a questionnaire on my work experience, qualifications, and include a a resume for when my, quote, change of definition, end quote, occurs, which was 18 months away when they requested it. I'm going to get back to all these points, by the way. Uh, In the meantime, they are asking me for updates and complete questionnaires. Do they ask everyone on LTD to apply for CPP disability? Uh If not, then are they just trying to wear me down with repeated questions? Also, I've been notified that I have another new case manager. This will make number four. Is this acceptable? Basically having to start over catching them up on my file. Thank you. So, a lot of stuff to cover here. So, let me just get right into it. So, first of all, CPP disability, not unusual at all for an insurance company to ask you to apply for CPP disability. They're not asking you to do that because it's to your benefit. It's to their benefit. Under most LTD policies, there there are provisions in those policies that give the insurance company credit for any CPP disability you get. And that is almost always the case. Uh, especially when they are telling you to apply for CPP disability because they want that credit. So to just give a very short example, very small example, John, if, you, if you're getting $2,000 a month in LTD and you've applied for CPP disability and got approved and now you're getting 1000 bucks from CPP disability, you're not getting $1,000 from CPP and $2,000 from LTD for $3,000 total. You are getting still $2,000 just that the amount that the LTD insurer has to pay is reduced by the amount that CPP disability is giving you. But here's the thing. If you don't apply for CPP disability, then the insurance company may estimate how much it is they think you ought to be getting and then reduce your monthly LTD amounts accordingly. So you don't want to be in that situation. You should apply for CPP disability. And there are other benefits as well, some of which include, you know, if you get approved for CPP disability, then the government has now... Uh, declared you or accepted you as being a disabled individual. Uh, And by the way, the test to get CPP disability is arguably slightly more difficult uh, than getting LTD. Um, You have to have a disability that is both severe and prolonged. And the reason I'm mentioning this is because if you get CPP disability, in my mind at least, and that's the argument I've made before successfully, is that if the government deems you disabled, it's that much more difficult for the insurance company to come back at some point later and say, no, you're not disabled, yep. because the government says that you're disabled, right? Uh, the other reason why it's a good thing to, to have CPP disability, if you are in fact disabled, is that... If the insurance company does cut you off, and we gotta fight them, now you have money coming in from another source, right? It's not like you're getting nothing. You're getting CPP disability, so that's gonna carry you through for at least a little bit, and help you out while we fight the insurance company uh, and bring them to heel, bring them to the table to pay what what they owe you. So, so that's you know that, that that's what I would say about CPP disability. That this this is this answers you know uh, uh, Diane's question. Now, she mentions here also that at the same time, she was asked to complete a questionnaire on her work experience, qualifications, provide a resume, uh, and all with respect to the change of definition, which was supposed to occur 18 months away. So, John, let's do the math here. She's been told to complete this questionnaire, provide a resume, and do all that stuff when that change of definition... Remember, she's talking about when the test for disability changes from own occupation to any occupation... Remember, just to go back to make sure any new listeners are are on the same page, to get LTD for the first two years, you have to demonstrate medically that you're unable to do your own occupation. Beyond that two-year mark, it's uh, the test changes that you cannot perform any occupation for which you're suited for by training, education, or experience. So working out the math here, if she's told 18 months before that change of definition date that she needs to provide all that, Really, the insurance company has been paying her now for about four months, right? For four months, they've been paying her benefits, and they're gearing her up a year and a half in advance to set her up to figure out if they can cut her off at that two-year mark. You understand what they're doing here? I mean, I don't know much about Diane's situation here, but you can't possibly tell me that they have a crystal ball, the insurance company, and they are thinking or knowing that in a year and a half's time, she should be better or, or uh, she, she should be able to do some kind of another occupation. It just seems premature to me. It just It projects to me that from almost the outset, they are already putting the pieces in place. They are already starting to strategize on how to cut her yeah. off benefits at that two-year mark so that's interesting to me and and you know it's important when these kinds of things happen or just generally for you as a claimant to document your interactions with the adjuster in writing confirm things via email I'm not saying never speak by phone but I'm saying whenever there's a phone conversation or there's an exchange of information between you and the adjuster confirm the exchange in writing even if it's a simple email about an update on your situation you know I've seen situations where when I've gotten the file from the insurance company, it said, you know, on June eighteenth the adjuster called this individual, asked them how they were doing, and the person replied, I am doing great. And, you know, really when I spoke with the person and asked him about that, the person said, No, it was just it was a positive day for me. It was one of those days where I actually felt a bit better. So I said, you know, today is better than yesterday. You know, but, right. but my, my point is that, that you know, you don't, you don't want to be in a situation of a he said, she said. You want to confirm things in writing with the adjuster because when they speak with you by phone, they make notes. They make contemporaneous notes. And if you don't have notes on your end, then right. you're creating a situation where they have a documentary record that's contemporaneous with what was said and you don't. And in a way, that gives them more credibility as to what had transpired on that day. So confirm everything in writing. Now, uh, she's talking also about the fact that now she has a new case manager. She says this will make number 4 is this acceptable. You know, it's not unusual. There's a high turnover in many of these insurance companies for whatever reason. Many of them, many of these adjusters are overworked, many of them are underpaid. Yeah. Many of them for whatever reason just, you know, move around. So, you know, the issue here that we're dealing is well, what does Diane do? Well, she can't really do much because she now has a different adjuster. She has to deal with that adjuster. Unfortunately, some adjusters are better than others. You know, the case that I started the show with uh, about the mediation that, we're ta- that I-, I talked about that we resolved last week, that case, that was a case where my client actually had four adjusters, and the last adjuster was a really, really bad one. That was the one that was just very demeaning, very aggressive, just completely night and day from the other three adjusters that my client had. And, you know, I, I, I'll, t- I'll tell you this, John. It, it creates an immense amount of stress on the claimant. You know, especially that uh, if they've been dealing with the adjuster for several months, if not a few years, and now there's somebody new and they have to not only bring them up to speed, but now they're getting the cold shoulder. Now they're getting a sense that this new adjuster is just trying to pick on them and bully them. Here's my advice. Don't get bullied stand your ground, do exactly what you've been doing, confirm everything in writing, get your doctors to, to continue uh, uh, providing updates uh, in a timely manner about your ongoing disability, and you should be okay.
1: One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. That is the number you want to reach out. It is email a good way. Help at disabilityrights.ca, and I know you've pulled a couple stories from it uh, so far. We'll do more as the hour continues. That would be mydisabilityquestions.com. disabilityquestions.com. We continue with the disability law show on Global News Radio.
0: You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto.
1: And right back at it, the Disability Law Show. The phone number reaching out real, real simple. Write this down. Toll free five five. Eight two one fifty nine hundred. email is help at disabilityrights.ca. You're interested in catching past shows because they're always good to go back and listen to and catch stuff you might have missed, or the TV show as well. You can go to disabilityrights.ca. Go ahead, Bill. What else uh, What else we on the show today?
2: Uh, John, I saw one of the other emails that I had received directly from an individual was about uh, a long-term disability claim but you know the key line here that i think is going to to make you roll your eyes because of how you know all the years we've been doing this and i've been hammering this point this person basically wrote and i'll just skip to that line he says i want to know if i can still appeal now that it's oh, been 3 years since i was denied three uh, denied years? LTD yeah so so not only unfortunately yeah. this person is out of time remember you have 2 years in ontario and in bc to start legal claims against an insurance company for long-term disability benefits if you've been denied or cut off those benefits. Now, we always say on the show that it's two years. The clock starts running from when you got your first denial. There are some cases uh, from the courts that have uh, not made some exceptions but said that the clock starts a bit later. I wouldn't take that chance. If you got a letter saying you are not entitled to benefits or you're cut cut off of benefits, uh, assume that the clock starts... At that point, okay, it's very, very important to understand that because beyond that two year mark, you can consider your rights to have been extinguished. Are there exceptions? Yes, there are, but they're so rare. It's so difficult to get around that two-year limitation period. And, and the reason for that is because the legislatures, right, the the, uh, the, the politicians who, who created this legislation, this two-year limitation period, did this for the for the reason that they wanted certainty. They don't want people coming 10 years after they've been cut off LTD or 10 years after an accident saying, uh, you know, I, 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 want, I want to start a legal claim for for my rights. I want to get compensation. Uh, now, again, this doesn't apply to people uh, with disabilities necessarily. It doesn't apply to to minors until they you know they reach eighteen years of age. But, right. but generally speaking, if you've been denied LTD or you've been cut off LTD or you've been injured, there is a two year limitation period for starting a legal claim. Just keep that in mind. Now, the other thing this person writes is, uh, I want to know if I can still appeal. That uh, denial um, well the word appeal let's talk about that for a second again yeah. I know I, I'm I'm beating a dead horse here but you know time and time again we talk about these appeals time and time again I see how they fail time and time again I see the frustration uh, in on people's faces when I meet with them and they describe the whole process to me you know I really thought that if I went to this other doctor and got an extra report, and gave it to my insurance company that they would really reconsider my claim. I really thought that if I could just make them understand that this illness or this injury is really that bad, you know, that they would actually listen to me and reverse mm-hmm. their position. I am never gonna say and I've never said that appeals never ever work. Okay? That that would be a misrepresentation of the fact. It's not true. Just like I would never say that if you played the lottery, you're never gonna win. That's not true either, right? But you're not going to bank your future on a lottery ticket, right? You may go every day and buy a ticket, John, but you're also going to have a job that you're going to go to because that's a certainty. Well, to me, it's a certainty, almost a certainty that these appeals, for the most part, are useless. It's anecdotal, but I can tell you it's not just my opinion. It's many, many lawyers who do what I do. They have the exact same opinion. And I see situations where people appealing once, twice, three times, sometimes more than that, getting absolutely nowhere. And yet when we start the legal claim within a matter of months, if not weeks, these claims are resolved. Suddenly the insurance company comes to the table and you know, figuratively opens up their checkbook and says, how much do you want? Right? They don't yeah. do that exactly. But my point is that they come and they pay. This is how, you know, this is how we work. We do this on a, di- on a daily basis. So we know this. If you don't believe me, then go ahead and do whatever you want to do and appeal. But I'm telling you, if you go the appeal route, you will be sorry. You will have wasted your time. Uh, You will potentially have wasted money because you know time is money, right? I mean, especially when you're told in advance you're going to be cut off in a few months and you waste that precious time instead of starting a legal claim trying the appeal process, thinking that maybe you'll be able to get them to reverse their, their decision before you get cut off. Well, no, it's not going to work. Most likely you're going to get cut off and then you're going to panic and then you're going to call me and then we're going to have to do everything double time to get you the money you're owed. So let's just bypass that and you give me a call or you email me and I'll tell you what, what your options are and, and what you can do to force the insurance company to come to the table and pay you what you're owed.
1: If you want to reach out, do so. we got lots more to go here, but uh, we'll tell you how to reach out anytime to Savan and a member of the team. Toll-free number. Keep it with you. 1-855-821-5900. Website is disabilityrights.ca, and we refer to it several times during the show because it's a really good place to start. And that is mydisabilityquestions.com, a drop-down menu with questions that have been asked and answered. You can search those, or you can leave your own questionnaire, and it will be answered. And you might end up on the show. How about that, uh, anonymously, but you might end up on the show. Lots more of the disability law shows on the way. Take a short break. Be right back, right here on Global News Radio.
0: You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto.
1: This is the Disability Law Show, reaching out real simply. You know the phone number if you've been listening the entire hour. If not, here its eight two one fifty nine hundred. 821 1-855-821-5900, help at disabilityrights.ca. And anytime you want to ask some questions, uh, and another route would be uh, mydisabilityquestions.com as well. Go ahead, brother. Keep, uh, keep going.
2: All right. Uh, we have more here. So I, I, here's another email that I had received. This one comes yep. from Chantel, uh, and, and it's also from Ottawa. She writes the following. She says, I've been on LTD for two years, so I am at the two year mark definition of my job or any job. Uh, I have rheumatoid arthritis, fibromyalgia, um, osteoarthritis, depression, and anxiety. I failed some of the medications for RA, that's rheumatoid arthritis, were waiting to start a new medication. My insurance company made me apply for CPP disability. Uh, I was denied, but then I appealed that. My LTD insurers sent me an email telling me that if my rheumatologist does not fill out the back-to-work questionnaire, they will cut me off, regardless of everything my family uh, doctor has filled out uh, to let the LTD insurer know that I'm not going back to work. My family doctor and rheumatologist just sent both LTD and CPPD an update. It states that my hands are the biggest disability. Everything they needed was sent last week, and they have not contacted me yet. Can they cut me off just because they want to? So let's start off from the question. Yes, yes, insurance companies can and do often cut people for the stupidest reasons. <laughs> and and I'll tell you, I, I every time I think I've seen everything, I, I, I am I'm amazed that I have not seen everything. That I see adjusters just doing the, the most idiotic things, and, and yeah. those things, once once we as lawyers, myself, James, Tamar, Albert, Mike, the lawyers on my team, once we get a hold of the insurance company's file, because that's what happens when we start a legal claim, we get their file, we get to see the guts of their decision-making process, the insurance company, we get to dissect it, and then we get to use it, we weaponize it against the insurance company for the benefit of our clients. And when I say weaponize it, I mean we look for all the mistakes that they have made, that the adjuster has made. And God Almighty, John, they make mistakes. And they make them by the, the, the truckload. And, 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 you know, when I say that they can cut you off just because they want to, yeah, that's what they do. They cut people off for, for the dumbest reasons. And, and people think to themselves, how can that possibly be? How can a company this size, how can a company that is supposed to be protecting you, to provide you the safety blanket, right, to help you financially until you get back on your feet, how can they do that to you? Well, they can and they do, and they do so thinking that you're not going to challenge them. And when you do stand up to challenge them, and that's when we get into the picture, well, then they come to the table and they pay. But, but, and I don't have any statistics for this, but if out of a 100 cases like this, Ten people stand up for their rights and get the money they deserve. You still have ninety people who have not. And just do the math on how much money the insurance company is making by keeping the money that's owed to these ninety other, you know, the ninety other individuals. So, so let me just go back here to, to Chantel's email. So she's talking about all these issues she's experiencing: rheumatoid arthritis, fibromyalgia, depression, anxiety, osteoarthritis. Here's the thing. She was approved for CPP disability. The government has deemed her to be disabled. Now the insurance company is saying, we're going to cut you off because your rheumatologist is not filling out a a form? Good luck to them. Good luck to them trying to persuade a judge that that is a good reason to cut off this person. Especially when uh, when the rheumatologist and the filming doctor have both provided confirmation. And information about how this person is unable to work, how their disability is preventing them from working. So, you know, again, the fact that the insurance company can cut you off doesn't mean that that's the end of the road. Definitely do not appeal these decisions, definitely do not think that you are powerless because you have a lot of power, especially in a case like this when Chantel has been approved by CPP disability, she is disabled. What I would do in a case like this is I would intervene, I would write to the adjuster, and I would say, if you cut her off, I will get instructions from her to start a legal claim the next day. And you know sometimes that's enough to thwart the insurance company. Sometimes the the adjuster will I would say get scared cuz they don't want somebody higher up looking at this claim and saying why did you invite a legal claim against us? You know? And sometimes they don't care. Sometimes they go ahead and they cut the person off anyways. But guess what? We've put them on notice and now we can take action. So we don't play defense in these kinds of situations. We play offense against the insurance company. And that's what you need. you got to be able to push back because if you don't, you're going to be one of those 90 other people who walks away from the money that is owed to them. And you can be dealing with tens if not hundreds of thousands of dollars that are that's legally owed to you.
1: We'll take a short break. Got a few more minutes to go. you want to reach out in the meantime. Send along an email. We'll... Uh... We'll let you do that one. That is a help at disabilityrights.ca. Simply disabilityrights.ca. That is the website to use to catch past radio shows and our television show as well as we continue on here the last few minutes of this edition of the Disability Law Show on Global News Radio.
0: You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser.
1: And back to the Disability Law Show. Savannah is standing by. and want that email address again. It is help at disabilityrights.ca. Reaching out by phone is always simple. First step, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. And questions after the show is not on the air can be had and asked and answered quickly. And that would be mydisabilityquestions.com. A few minutes to go, pal. Take us home. What else you got?
2: Let me tell you about a gentleman that contacted us, um, again, it was last week, and this makes me very, very furious, Uh, but but I'm happy at least that he contacted us. So this person here is 47 years old. Uh, He was cut off long-term disability back in June of 2017. Uh, He initially went on benefits uh, with the insurance company because of a broken arm, and also his mother had passed away, and, and he became very, very depressed. He suffers from depression. Now, this happened June 2017, Okay, so almost three years ago. Uh, he appeals that denial three times. Okay, I'm nice. looking at my notes here as I'm reading this. Three times. Gets denied every single time. Eventually, he hires a lawyer, a law firm, to handle that claim. Right? He figures, I can't do anything anymore with this insurance company. Uh, let's hire this law firm. For whatever reason, he didn't contact us. He contacted this other law firm. I don't, I don't actually recognize the name. Um, which, which is not a good sign, by the way, because it's no, a very I small say. bar. I, I know the main lawyers who deal in disability in Ontario and BC. They know us. We know the insurance companies. The insurance companies know us. So, if I'm looking at a, at a firm name here, uh, and a lawyer's name that I don't recognize, uh, that's, that's, that's a warning sign for me. It doesn't mean the person's bad or the firm's bad, but generally we know each other. Yeah. Uh, in any event, he hires this law firm. Um, from my understanding, and again, I'm looking at my notes here, uh, his lawyer had filed something with the court uh, back in February of 2020. We don't know what yet. Now, this gentleman has a psychiatrist that has confirmed that he's disabled from working okay? on, on, on the, on the de- depression side. Okay. All right. So he, he's basically contacting us because he is uh, concerned about his case. He was cut off back in June of 2017, almost three years ago, and nothing is happening with his case, and he has no money. So he wants to know if he can switch firms. And I can tell you, James and I have both talked about this uh, at length. Uh, I'm not a fan of people switching firms, not because I don't want to help people, but because. Look, if you go to a law firm and they help you and then – or they try to help you and they do work on your claim and then you want to switch, they will likely ask you to pay something, if not their full fee, uh, before you switch. But but then I see situations like this. I don't know what this lawyer filed in February 2020, but I really hope it wasn't the legal claim. Because if it was the legal claim, well, then he's over the two-year mark right? The person was cut off LTD in June 2017, which means he had until June, whatever that date was, of 2019 to file a legal claim. If that lawyer was hired before that time, before that two-year mark, and did not file a legal claim against the insurance company, within that two-year mark, that lawyer, that law firm is negligent. So this is very, very important to understand. You want to make sure whichever lawyer you go to, if it's not us, that they know what they're doing. Because the lawyer or the law firm can make it even worse for you. If, in fact, that lawyer is negligent, that individual may potentially have a claim against the lawyer now, let alone the insurance company. So, you know, what do you learn from this uh, case here? Well, number one, this gentleman here appealed three times, and three times he got the runaround by the insurance company. So, again, it hammers the point that these appeals are useless. Then he goes to a law firm that I don't recognize here. I don't even know if they do disability law. Clearly they told them they do because that's why you hire them. And they don't file anything until February of two thousand twenty. And to boot, nothing has happened and this person is in the dark. Brutal. You know, when people come to us, before they even sign up, I make sure that we go through the process. We explain every step. I I, I use a you know, I, I take a pen, I take out a piece of paper, and I literally draw a timeline. I say, here's the here are the steps in this process. Here are the things that may or may not happen. Here's where we are now. Here's where I hope to be in a month from now, in three months from now, in a year from now, whatever the the case calls for. I want to make sure that my clients are completely aware of the entire process. Remember, knowledge is power. You bet. No no different than if you go to your doctor, you want to make sure that your doctor is there explaining everything to you, not just prescribing medications, explaining the process to you. So this is unfortunate with this gentleman here. I think, I'm hoping we'll be able to help him. I don't know what was filed. Uh, yeah, hopefully the claim was not filed late, but you know this is an example of someone who obviously went to the wrong people for help and now he's potentially worse off. So you want to make sure that if you have, if you've been cut off long-term disability or uh, you've you've been you've been denied outright or if you know someone in that position that you put them in touch with us let us give them the information then they can make an informed decision on on how they want to proceed but without all of that information the correct legal information you are at a disadvantage because the insurance company they are professionals they know what they're doing you don't want to deal with them on your own and you certainly don't want to deal with them when you have someone else helping you that doesn't know what they're doing so you know, Word to the wise, contact us if you have any questions, and as importantly, if you have a family member, a friend, a colleague, someone who has been injured through no fault of their own, car accident, slip and fall, dog bite, whatever the situation is, or you're dealing with a long-term disability situation or an employment matter, give us a call or email us. Trust me, we will put you in touch with the right people at the firm to help you
1: good way to wrap it up for the uh, the day pal and we're going to leave you the phone number some more contact information 1855 Eight two one fifty nine hundred is that number you want to email Savan and the team? Do so; they get back to you really quickly, and you get some good information that way, even uh, before you make the phone call. Help at disabilityrights.ca, and your questions anytime can be uh, left at mydisabilityquestions.com, and they can answer it. There's also a drop-down menu, as I mentioned. You can search for past questions similar to your own, and chances are it's been answered in depth there as well. So, till next time, the Disability Law Show, right here on uh, Global News Radio.